When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Peldino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Double Twist, TuneIn Radio, all these great applications out there. And of course, always remember to download, not stream the show, download it if you could. It would help for potential business in the future and the present. Great to be back on board once again today to discuss the Minnesota Wild as we're hitting into the offseason now. Congratulations to the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Maybe I'll talk about that for a second here and there, but generally speaking, it's we're mostly here to talk about the Minnesota Wild offseason. We have a draft already, and we've got uh, transactions. Let's just say a lot of transactions. So it's basically draft review and free agency conversation 2020 edition. <laughs> Again, slightly late, but uh, yeah, my apologies for yeah something that was completely out of everybody's control, I suppose. Yeah, just just a little late, yeah, just a little late, just a couple months late. Usually, this is recorded sometime around July fourth or so. Sometimes, actually, on July fourth, but here we are in uh, October and such, second week of October already to get caught up with the draft and the free agency. But hey, I'm I'm just glad it exists. I'm glad everything happened. And now the Minnesota Wild will have a completely new roster coming forward. Well, maybe not completely, but significantly different roster. We'll see if even more things happen. I know Matt Dumb has not been traded. No, Matt Dumb has not been traded yet. But uh, uh, we, on the last episode, we were caught up with Jonas Burdine getting a seven-year extension. Congratulations there. Eric Stahl getting traded to Buffalo for Marcus Johansson. Since then, Nico Sturm had his contract extended, two-year contract extension. Let's look at his cap situation. Of course, remember, it's not all that much. Yeah, seven twenty-five per, so a $1.5 million extension for two years. <clears throat> He's already 25, which is a bummer. He's penciled in. Obviously, you notice I said penciled, not penned in as the uh, center for the fourth line for the Minnesota Wild. It's going to be quite interesting to see how this all stacks up with, again, significant trades and changes and acquisitions and departures and we could go on for like 50 million years, right? Well, maybe not that long, but for long enough, I suppose. I'm not sure I agree with some of these uh, <laughs> proposed lines and cap friendly, but I don't know. Marcus Foligno, top line center? No. For some reason, they're not showing Marcus Johansson. That's why. I don't know why they're doing that, actually. That's not making a whole lot of sense. He should be the top line center at the moment. But maybe it'll be our draft pick. Though odds are he will probably be our second second line center if he does make the Minnesota Wild right out of camp. Ninth pick in the draft. We'll get to him very, very shortly. But before the draft, of course, you saw, <clears throat> as predicted a couple days before, Ryan Donato 
And Devin Dubnik ultimately traded to the San Jose Sharks. Ryan Donato, Minnesota Wild get a fourth round pick for him. Third round pick, pardon me. Third round pick for him. So it turns out the <laughs> trade for Brent Burns gave us a third round pick basically at the end of the day with a couple of rental years from this guy and that guy. Obviously you had Charlie Coyle for a while and he never quite became any type of a major piece to the franchise. He was a helpful piece to the franchise, but never really became a top line type of guy. Just hung out on the on the right wing on the top line as the third best player out of the three guys. This and that. Uh, the Brent Burns trade, very devastating to the franchise. We look forward and backward, this and that. Uh, I kind of see the Jason Zucker trade similarly, not in terms of the, we're going to lose the trade really badly like we probably, well, no, like we did with Brent Burns. We did. Uh, we got, again, Charlie Coyle, uh, the one of the top prospects in their system. And Devin Setaguchi was kind of the throw in, the, uh, the the warm body who would be on the roster right away. And then the draft pick. Um, so, so far, the Minnesota Wild did not get a draft pick, though, uh, from the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Jason Sucker trade. We'll get it next year. Hopefully, it's fairly early in the first round. We'll see what happens. Uh, for the Wild back in those days, back in 2011, we got the pick right away. It was the 28th pick, and ended up being Zach Phillips, who didn't come close to the NHL. He stunk in the AHL. Devin Setaguchi, who was just a waste of time, basically. Okay, some people might like him, but he wasn't that good. And Charlie Coyle was the major prospect who had us all excited and never really lived up to the hype. So in the Jason Zucker trade, you got uh, Kalen, Kalen Addison, who's the major prospect. Hopefully that works out. Right shot defenseman will complicate things for the likes of uh, Brennan Mendel and such, but we'll see. Or Louis Belpedio, see what happens with their careers and see what happens with Matt Dumba on the right side, along with Jared Spurgeon, who's inked for another seven years. Seven years for Jared Spurgeon, who might be the future captain. Uh, but again, like I said, Kalen Addison, the draft pick hasn't happened yet. And the uh, throw-in player in the group who was supposed to be helpful at the moment was Alec Galchenyuk, who most likely will not be returning to the Minnesota Wild. In fact, he will not be. Okay, got you caught up with that. Yay. <laughs> Ryan Donato, the Wild get a third-round pick for Ryan Donato to the San Jose Sharks. Fifth-round pick with Devin Dubnik uh, heading to the San Jose Sharks as well, so that frees up a spot for our new goaltender, which is nice. I was thinking, I was always thinking of a possibility of Alex Stalock and... Kapokakinen having some type of a duo going on. Maybe, obviously, Staylock starts more games or it's real close where it's a platoon. Not going to happen at this moment. We'll see what happens with Kapokakinen. This does not spell the end for him by any means because Alex Staylock's contract is small enough. Anything could happen there. And the new goalie we'll talk about very shortly. You know who it is, but yes, Cam Talbot uh, is not inked forever. He does not have a no-move clause. You could do anything with him as well. But I'm happy with that move. We'll get back to that shortly. Because <laughs> most of the free agency is going to be after the draft. Of course, free agency is awfully short, but I'll look at other teams as well, making interesting moves and some other players on the wild roster, changing places, this and that via free agency as well, or possible guys that never got to suit up for the wild, unfortunately. So that's what took place leading into the draft. Couple players heading to the Sharks. Ryan Donato gone. Devin Dubnik gone. End of an era with the Dubnik goaltending situation. The job now belongs to Cam Talbot, most likely for uh, health health providing. And of course, he's been a terrible guy. Knock on wood. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but now you get to the draft. I on the last show talked about Marco Rossi constantly, and I kept talking about how he just makes everything look easy, and he would be a no-brainer pick at nine, and then. 
as the weeks as the week progressed, I was basically like, you know what? I'm all like, oh, of course you take Marco Rossi, but he's going to wind up going like fourth or fifth. Watch, he's going to wind up going to Detroit. Mock draft started heading that direction. You heard scouts and hockey experts, draft experts, this and that on the soda pod, this and that. Derek Felska was also very high on Marco Rossi. And you heard all these all this conversation about that. And I figured he's going to wind up in Detroit or Ottawa or something, right? Um, maybe the Ducks, but but then luckily the Ducks took Drysdale. You just sit there, scared to death, thinking he's gone. And then all of a sudden, a couple days before the draft, the Athletic comes out with a mock draft. That is Marco Rossi slipping to Minnesota. Cole Perfetti, pardon me, going to Buffalo just before that. And it's like, really? Cole Perfetti and Marco Rossi are going to be literally like right there at 8 with Buffalo? Okay. And then another mock draft came out at the last second. It was the very last mock draft from the Athletic, and it still had Marco Rossi coming to Minnesota. And I'm like, so then my hopes started to come, uh, kind of come up a little bit. But then it's like, you're not really happy until things actually happen. And then it was a textbook, first three picks. Alexis Lafreniere, Lafreniere, I guess is how you say it. I like to say it with a different accent, I suppose. Goes to the New York Rangers, so left-wing superstar of the future there. Hopefully superstar center of the future for the Los Angeles Kings. And it's really funny and ironic how they compared Quinton Byfield to Anzi Kopitar. And it's like, okay, well, Anzi Kopitar is coming back to the Kings again, I guess. He's going to learn from Anzi Kopitar. So that worked out nice. <laughs> Tim Stutzel, Tim Stutzel, no, I'm just kidding, going to the uh, Ottawa Senators, number three. Ottawa Senators, third pick and fifth pick. I love that. Lucas Raymond going to Detroit. Because I thought, here goes Rossi, watch. He's gone, Rossi's gone, Colbert Fetty's gone, Rossi or Colbert Petty, one of the two guys I would love to have. Rossi is the guy I wanted the most. Colbert Fetty reminds me of a better version of Mikhail Granlin, who may end up wind up, uh, wind up on the wing, which is great and everything, but I'd rather have a, a legitimate center who's going to stay at the center position. Not Pierre-Marc Bouchard, who wound up on the right wing, or left wing, or whatever wing possible, but not on the center position. Mikhail Granlin, same thing. Drafted as a center and wound up as a wing. Yay. And Because they just couldn't handle the 200-foot uh, game that it takes to play a center position. Especially in today's National Hockey League. It just wasn't happening. So Lucas Raymond goes to Detroit. And that's like, okay, that's a sigh of relief. But Marco Rossi will wind up with Ottawa, Anaheim, New Jersey, Buffalo, right? He's going to wind up in one of those teams. And then the steam started picking about Jake Sanderson actually going higher than Jamie Drysdale. Because a lot of people see Jake Sanderson as a legitimate hardcore over the... Overall, excellent defenseman who's better defensively at the moment, but has still got the offensive skill. I mean, I saw that. I talked about that on the last episode, the draft preview and such, or should I say State of the Wild 2020, but the draft preview segment. I like Jake Sanderson, but if Marco Rossi's there, you got to take Marco Rossi over Jake Sanderson. Ottawa said, screw that, we're taking Jake Sanderson. You know, and I, I kept thinking it was going to be Jamie Drysdale for sure, and at very least he'd wind up at Anaheim or New Jersey. Jake Sanderson going to uh, Ottawa. Going to Iowa. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> Iowa, huh? But uh, obviously, wonderful player. Wonderful pick for Ottawa. Hopefully for their sake. And then Jamie Drysdale falls to Anaheim. They were thrilled. That was like an you know, instantaneous selection. I love Jamie Drysdale. I think he's got a wonderful future. The talk is maybe he's mostly an offensive guy that actually isn't as responsible defensively. And then the steam guys. A couple of steam guys. Because like I'm thinking... Here goes Marco Rossi and Colbrevetti. Boom, boom. Back to back. And, well, here comes Anton Lindell or Yaroslav Askarov. 
one of those two studs coming to Minnesota. Yeah, Anton Lindell, Miko Cuevo 2.0. <laughs> Doesn't that just make you excited? Bull crap, buddy boy. Again, it's not personal or anything. I love Cuevo. Well, I guess I do. <laughs> As a Wild fan, you appreciate what Cuevo brought to Minnesota for many years, but if you have a chance somehow, some way to take somebody who could be a little more dynamic, I want that guy. I'm sorry. Miko Cuevo wasn't dynamic, though he had some good seasons really early on, and then those seasons would always magically get shortened because of some kind of bullcrap freak injury or something. Uh, I'm already, Now I'm forgetting who's the guy that broke Cuevo's leg with Vancouver back that year when... Uh, 2008-2009, I believe. 2007-2008. That was extremely frustrating. Hated it with a passion. Uh, back to the point, though. The steam guys. Guys that some people had going as high as early. Like 4th, 5th to Detroit, Ottawa, teams like that. Alexander Holtz, right winger, heading to the New Jersey Devils. How about that? Alexander Holtz heading to the New Jersey Devils. So now we're going to for sure at least have a possibility of Marco Rossi or Cole Brevetti coming to Minnesota. Eighth pick, Jack Quinn was another guy. A lot of people were talking about going as high as Detroit as to, or to Ottawa, this and that. As there was on the uh, Locked On network with like the Wild and Ottawa and all them. It was like, a, it was all the guys together in the top, I forget how many teams. I think it was like the top 10 teams or so. Top 10 picks. Yeah, it was down to Winnipeg. They were the last one. And, well, in that one, Marco Rossi came to Minnesota. It was unbelievable. And I forget if Perfetti actually went to Winnipeg in that one. What a darndest thing if that was the case. I'm blanking on that, but I know Rossi slipped to Minnesota, and I'm thinking, this is too good to be true. These teams aren't going to take Holtz and Quinn ahead of uh, Rossi. But they did. New Jersey took Holtz. Buffalo took Jack Quinn. A couple of really nice right-wingers. They passed on Perfetti and Rossi. Were they getting cute, or did they legitimately take better players? I guess time will tell. Time is going to tell, but if they're getting cute, let them get cute, because uh, we don't have to get cute. Minnesota is able to get Marco Rossi ninth overall, and what an unbelievable feeling that was. And Cole Perfetti then went to Winnipeg. Uh, right about this time, after the Rossi pick, <laughs> I was I had the absolute pleasure of joining the Soda Pod. Absolutely awesome. State of Hoppy Soda Pod with Isha and Hoppy. Scott, uh, Scott is his name, the Hoppy guy. <laughs> awesome people. They talk about beer, but of course talk about hockey as well. Hockey and Hoppy, like Hoppy as in Hoppy beer, IPAs, stuff like that. What an awesome show. A, a lot of fun I had. For some reason, I got a little nervous at the beginning. It was weird. You'd think after doing 12 years of podcasting and like 900 episodes between Brave the Wild, Purple Mafia, Timberwolves Explosion, Paladino Live... Showtime and T-Wolves and joining shows as, as a guest in the past. Why would I get nervous? But I kind of did for some reason. Probably because I'm not necessarily the super-duper draft expert. And these guys kind of were good. Like, their knowledge was pretty good. So it was a little intimidating at the beginning. But uh, at the end of the day, there was one player, when I was doing my research and watching videos and such to get prepared for State of the Wild 2020, Marco Rossi is just the guy the whole time. You know, other than I didn't really... Count on Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzel, guys like that. But I did look at Sanderson, Drysdale, Holtz, Quinn, Perfetti, Rossi, Askarov, Lindell. I looked at all those guys. And for some reason, just Rossi made everything look so easy. Like, he just knows what he's doing out there. His skills are just, you know, he can pretty much do everything. He sets players up. He can score a ton of goals. 
his stick handling is ridiculous. His skating is good, and he's saying it's actually better. They were saying how his skating is not blazing speed where he can just blow by people, so that's one thing to make note of because, you know, you're always hoping for that guy that can skate circles around anybody. Apparently, Rossi's not on that level with a skating. Maybe that's why he dropped to nine. But other than that, he's good at everything, and it, it sounds like his skating did improve because the guy has a hunger in him that is rarely seen. Uh, they talked about extensively on the Russo episodes and Russo conversations on other shows, this and that. Uh, how And, of course, the articles and such, athletic, this and that. I mean, you could cite several different articles how Marco Rossi and his father the practices and such for a four-year period were insane when it came to the dedication. The dedication level to hockey was insane, where his dad would come off work, drive Marco to practice. That took an uh, about 90-minute drive, which is insane. That'd be like almost like, I shouldn't say driving to Duluth, maybe like to Malax or something from the Twin Cities, something like that. And then having to drive back and then go to bed really late, get up for work or school in the two, in the two case, cases there. And back to practice, and back home, back to bed. And it was nonstop for four years, basically. And apparently his father lost two jobs. Rob, Marco Rossi's father, lost two jobs during that time because it's just the scheduling was tough, uh, getting on time, this and that. But eventually it all was worth it at the end of the day with that ninth pick by the Minnesota Wild heading there to uh, Minnesota. And it uh, made Rossi be more of a serious guy rather than where's the party all the time. Like, just pro athletes seem to think that way sometimes. Where's the party? The three most damning words in pro sports, in my opinion. Um, I like a serious guy like this who wanted to be good, wanted to be great, and wanted to live up to, you know, all the expectations that come with such pure dedication. And it makes him appreciate it 10 million times more than probably the average person who might be some million, you know, some son of a millionaire out there. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> out there and having fun, good player and everything. Maybe they're even a really good person, really nice person, but again, it's not the same. Marco Rossi, talk about uh, about as blue collars it gets when you think about it, but then the skill level is white collars it gets. The guy deserves to be one of the, uh, from what you can see, the guy has an opportunity to become something super special and deserve to make multi, multi millions of dollars throughout his National Hockey League career, and it'll all be worth it in the end. Very exciting pick. Uh, I endorse it 100%. Even if it means passing on Cole Perfetti and, of course, possibly an awesome goalie of the future in Askarov at the end of the day, or even everyone's favorite, Anton Lindell, Miko Koivu 2.0. To me, 2.0, Miko Koivu 2.0 might be a little too slow. Pardon my rhyming there, but that's what I was afraid of. I'd rather have somebody with a little bit, little bit extra, a little extra oomph in my opinion, even though Anton Lindell is Lundell, pardon me, will be a hell of a player in my opinion. Nashville ends up getting Yaroslav Askarov, so good for Nashville. They will have that guy. <laughs> They're not looking at uh, Saros as the goalie of the, of the super long-term future, maybe the immediate future, and of course, Pekka Rene. I always kind of thought Saros could be a goalie of the future, but the guys I was talking to on Sotopod don't seem to see it that way. And Askarov, he's going to have to be, because if he isn't, man, that'd be a mammoth bust, mammoth bust. Anton Lundell goes to Florida. There you go, to play for uh, Mr. Quinn there. So good for him. Uh, good for Anton Lundell and all that stuff. Jarvis goes to Carolina. <laughs> Carolina, okay, sorry. Lucas Reichel, that name sounds very familiar, like Robert Reichel, Calgary Flames and such. 
So there you go. Those are the main notables moving forward. So there you go. That's the end of that day. My wild did not move back up into the first round, but uh, more trades would happen. Oh, yes, more trades would happen. As you head into day number two, Tuesday night for day number one, Wednesday morning for day number two. Okay, 11.30 a.m. Central Time. Not long into it, the Minnesota Wild make a trade. And bye-bye goes Luke Cunning. Luke Cunning's gone. I can't believe it. Luke Cunning traded. I will not. So there's another departure. I kept thinking it was going to be Greenway. And maybe, who knows, maybe Bill Guerin was trying to make it uh, Jordan Greenway, but the National Predators wanted Luke Cunning. He was talking about basically how the Predators were pursuing Cunning very heavily, very, very, very hard. They wanted him really bad. So maybe that was the conversation where it was like, no, we're not doing the trade unless it's Cunning. And then Guerin said, yeah, okay. So uh, Nick Bonino, Bonino is coming to Minnesota, the former Pittsburgh Penguin, Anaheim Duck, Vancouver Canuck, Nashville Predator at the end of the day. Most recently, mostly a third line type of guy who, you know, it will be fantastic in the locker room, even though he's more of an introvert type, but his, it's an infectious type of competitiveness, a winner's attitude. Bill Guerin loved him very much, obviously, with the time in Pittsburgh. The two years, by the way, that Nick Bonino, Nick Bonino played in Pittsburgh were the two best years you could imagine for a professional athlete. Like, I was only in this on this team for two years as both Stanley Cup champion seasons, so that works. <laughs> It'd be like being on the Twins in only 1987 and 91. It'd feel really good, wouldn't it? you just come back magically at that time. Bonino's more of a 35-point type of guy, but he is a center, and he will be the third-line center for Minnesota by all accounts. His season, uh, his career season overall was a 22-goal, 49-point effort in 77 games in 2013-2014, back when Granlin, Gronlin, Eric Halla, Charlie Coyle, Nino Niederreiter were all coming on the scene for Minnesota, and we had an exciting victory over the Colorado Avalanche, and actually beat Chicago twice in a series. We beat Chicago twice in a series. We haven't done it since. Very exciting season for Minnesota Wild fans, and that was a very good year, very productive year. For Nick Benino, who was actually in his 20s at the time, quite a bit earlier. 32 years old now, unfortunately. Hartford, Connecticut. What does that make you think of? If you're a classic hockey fan, it makes me think of the Hartford Whalers. Hartford Whalers. As cool as the Carolina Hurricanes are. Cool name, cool uniforms. And they've become a really nice team the last couple of years. Before that, not so much. Except 2006, it was a spectacular group of veteran players who got the job done. With a, a couple of young stars as well. Uh, but I, I'm thinking of the Hartford Whalers, man. <laughs> I love the Hartford Whalers. Uh, they were my second favorite team in the days of the North Stars, so to think my two favorite teams literally ceased to exist. How depressing is that? But generally speaking, a 35-point type point type of guy, 18 goals last season, 17 assists, and again, kind of leads by example. One of those type of guys. Kind of a quiet guy who leads by example, professionalism. Again, not necessarily looking for where's the party, but looking for... Uh, Let's kick some ass. Let's let's get the job done out there, eh? <laughs> that's what I, that's what I'd like to say too. Sometimes, at the end of the day, I just you know sometimes it's better to be serious once in a while, isn't it? So, obviously, with Devin Dubnik on the goalie position is in need. The Minnesota Wild did not take Askarov or anything, but what did we do the rest of the draft? No goalies. No goalies taken. 37th pick acquired for Minnesota from uh, for Minnesota in that trade. And then the 70th pick, which we ultimately trade away as well to move up to 65th. But first, let's talk about number 
37 and number 39. So 37 ultimately. Merat Kuznetsninov. Kuznetsninov. That's how it is pronounced. Pardon me for slipping around. When you look at the name, it's kind of intimidating. But if you sound it out, it makes sense. Kuznetsninov. Say it with me three times. Merat Kuznetsninov. Welcome to Minnesota, Merit. English is about uh, it's about three percent so far. Three percent English or so. He knows how to say what and hello and stuff like that. But it'll come around, and there's obviously no problem with that. He grew up in Russia. What what are you going to do? I mean, I'm not walking around speaking Russian, so I'm not going to be mean about that. Talk is he's a defensive center, so another center, but very defensive minded, with a ton of skill, tons of speed, this and that. 37th overall, you're hoping for something special here. Uh, something good, anyway. You can't guarantee any type of star, but occasionally you get some damn good players in the second round, like Kalen Addison, hopefully. Um, so far in the KHL, only two games. He's a minus one, but before that, pretty, pretty, you know, more of a point-of-game type of guy, or slightly less than that in some of the other leagues he's played in over there in Russia. But known more for his aggressiveness, his defense, his defensive capabilities. Again, you could say a 200-foot player. So again, you're looking for gritty guys that can play damn good defense, but then in the ultra-skilled guy in Rossi, who also can play defense. Where again, these are guys that play both sides of the game. They play offense and defense. Uh, Kuznodinov. So you can kind of sense an approach from Bill Guerin. He's taking guys that are captain material everywhere right now. Nick Medino is, is a guy who's kind of a captain type. Kustadinov is a captain type over there in uh, in his early days in Russia as, as a young kid. Only 18 years old at this point. And then the next pick, only two picks later, which is our original pick in the second round, 39th, Ryan O'Rourke. Very cool. I read a very, very long, long article by Wheeler of the Athletic. Very long article. Read it from... Uh, cover to cover, so to speak, or should we say scroll top score, top of the page to bottom page. He's played for the Sioux Greyhounds, and now I believe he's heading to North Dakota moving forward. He's the captain for the Sioux Greyhounds at age 17 coming in. Now he's age 18, still a very super-duper young guy, but everywhere he's gone, he's literally captain material. Uh, Left-shot defenseman who's looking for mostly, obviously he's physical, Plays a strong game, but he's got uh, offensive capabilities. One up with 37 points in the 54 games he played with the, uh, I won't call it pandemic. We'll call it, uh, we'll just call it the lockdown uh, shortened season. I don't like to use the word pandemic very often, but um, a plus 16 in that time. A physical type of defenseman. You could say Richard, Richard Matvichuk type. I always refer to uh, Richard Matvichuk for some reason. Or you could even say, in our case, Willie Mitchell. More of a physical, intelligent defensive player. Very high hockey IQ with capabilities of offense, with, without a doubt, as he's definitely working on it. He says his weakest point is, oh boy, not that word again, skating. <laughs> Derek Felske likes to bring that up, and he's right. Uh, if, if, if skating is a big problem, it's not good. He just says that's his weakest point. It's not bad, but it can improve. So that's good if he's focusing on that right out of the gate. Sounds like a captain to me, like, I need to work on my skating. I need to make it better. Uh, he is, he's got a little Brodeen in him and a little bit of, dare I say, the uh, Ryan Suter in terms of his durability, his ability to just, you know, play very, very long minutes. And of course, being a left shot defense, and maybe he ultimately is the replacement for Ryan Suter uh, long term. 
Not sure if his skill level is going to be the same on the offensive side, but he has the mean streak, this and that, and he's captain material. And you're going to keep hearing that time and time again with these Bill Guerin slash Judd Brackett picks. It's mostly Judd Brackett running the draft, but Bill Guerin with the final say. And Bill Guerin's ability to not panic and move up in the draft makes him look real smart today. Actually, by the way, when I'm going to refer back to Marco Rossi again because that was intelligent drafting right there as far as I'm concerned. Not panicking, not trading with Detroit, Ottawa, Anaheim. Like, oh God, we got to get Marco. Okay, here's Jordan Greenway for absolutely nothing. You know, just to move up for move up for a guy who is deserved to be taken sixth overall. In other drafts, they say he could go as high as third, but it's just this was such a deep draft. And we'll see what happens with Holston Quinn ultimately with New Jersey Buffalo. But it's such a deep draft that some guys actually slip that would normally be a top three, top five type of pick. Uh, but Bill Guerin's ability to play a little poker and not show his hand too quickly, not panic or fold and fold or not panic and, and go absolutely crazy, but just to stand pat and let Rossi fall to him. <sighs> it was cool. I loved what he looked Judd Brackett right in the face and he said, we're staying where we are. We're staying. That's when it got to be about the fifth pick or so. Pretty cool. It was like the fourth or fifth pick. He said, we're staying. He could just feel it. And good job, Bill Guerin, at the end of the day. Damn good job. So sorry for backtracking there, but it's just nice how things turn out. And Marco Rossi's another captain material type of guy. And somebody that was as dedicated as he was, him and his father, to get to those practices. I mean, let me tell you. And that was in Austria, of course, not in not with the Ottawa 67s. That's when the payoff started to really show when he became a stud type of player. Again, Marco Rossi, 120 points last year in only 56 games, plus minus of <clears throat> 69. That's crazy. A higher plus minus than games played. 39 goals, by the way. A guy that can actually score goals. A legitimate goal-scoring type of center. We have never had a player like this on the roster. And that's basically what I said on... Uh, soda pod when I wasn't stumbling all over myself. <laughs> I felt like I was. They thought I wasn't, but I felt like I was. Damon Hunt, the Minnesota Wild, then trade up five picks from 70 to 65 to get Damon Hunt. So we return into the third round. This is where some of the lower stages of our draft started to move away. Left shot defenseman again. More of a, again, defensive-minded type of guy with some offensive capability. Uh, he was a minus 24. They were in last place last year, the Moose Jaw Warriors of the W Hockey League, Western Hockey League. That's Adam Beckman's league where he led in scoring. Uh, Damon Hunt, though, was much more productive offensively. He had only 20 points the year before in 57 games. He had 15 points in only 28 games because he had a very nasty laceration of his forearm in a freak play along the boards where the players stumbled and slipped and uh, the stick came up and lacerated Damon Hunt's forearm. And it bled like a bleeping war wound, apparently. Because it was a war wound, <laughs> basically. Yeah, like getting sliced with a sword or something. Or an axe. Yeah, well, <laughs> what did he have, 15 stitches? I can't remember if he said 15 or 25. I think it was 25 stitches. That's a lot. But, well, because not only did the skin need to be... Uh, they, at first they needed to stop the bleeding immediately, and then the surgery ultimately to uh, reattach the muscles properly that forearm, that's really scary. So, unfortunately, that's where Damon Hunt would draw, fall in the draft because of that, this and that and such. So, kind of scary situation for Damon Hunt, but uh, he wound up going 65th overall to Minnesota. We traded up to get him. Hopefully, 
he works out nicely. So the left shot, the left side of the defense really filling up a bit here. You did have Jacob Golden. You do have uh, uh, um, you do have Marshall out there as well for the uh, Marshall Warren out there for Minnesota drafted last season in the sixth round. Interesting one now playing for Boston College at the end of the day. So you have you have about four legitimate left shot defensemen in the system. Maybe Jacob Golden's not as legit, but he really you know he he got to twenty seven points last year after some very quiet seasons in his first two years of the area otters there after being drafted by Minnesota. Pavel Novak, the Minnesota Wild actually traded away the last couple rounds, their sixth and seventh round picks to get Pavel Novak, 146th overall, fifth round pick. He comes out of the Czech Republic. That's right, Czech Republic, just like Pavel Bonnet, right winger, so the only right winger taken in this draft. He played in the Western Hockey League. Now he's going to play in the Czech League, so we'll see what happens there. So not in juniors. He was on the Kelowna Rockets, the Rockets, the Kelowna Rockets of the Western Hockey League. Was only 17 years of age. This guy's also only five foot nine, like Marco Rossi. We'll see if these guys actually grow an inch or two because it could because it could still happen. 55 games, 58 points, plus 10, 25 goals, and even Pavel Novak has leadership capabilities as well. All five of these guys are leadership character type of guys, including Damon Hunt. That is the talk throughout this entire draft. Like the whole conversation was literally about character, 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 combined with skills, obviously. Because uh, Ryan O'Rourke is a legitimate defensive defenseman. Marek Kuznadinov also has legitimate defensive capabilities, but he does have a lot of speed. He's probably the fastest player in the Minnesota Wild Draft out of the five guys. Second fastest guy, I would hope anyway, is going to be Marco Rossi, and maybe he'll wind up being fantastic with his speed as well. But uh, speed, not as much as strength as skill. His hands, uh, his his shot, his playmaking capabilities, and his 200-foot capabilities. Uh, Ryan O'Rourke, though, I, I can definitely see him as a long-term solution at the left uh, left shot position as maybe the top pairing, but they're saying he's he's like a, at least a top four pairing, so you know how that goes. He could be top or second pairing, but he's going to be in the top four. That's really good news. So, Ultimately, a lot of these picks, these trades, this and that could spell the end for uh, Philip Johansson. We'll see what happens, but it's not over yet for him. We'll see, but that was, again, Paul Fenton's first pick. Uh, Philip Johansson has laced him up, and he already got his uh, first goal of the season for Frolunda of the Swedish Hockey League. Already got his first goal, so good for him. He's a plus one so far. He'd been playing in Lexan's for the Sweden Hockey League the last couple of years. But uh, now we'll see what happens in Frölunda for Philip Johansson. He did score his first goal already very early in only five games. He, again, right shot defenseman, Minnesota, 20 years of age. He still has hope. We have not relinquished his rights or anything. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that guy. Um, our defensemen, I mean, we're pretty full. We're pretty full on defense right, right now. Again, Marshall Warren... Left shot defense and only five foot eleven, but serious offensive capabilities earlier on. Uh, last season, only eleven points in thirty-four games left for Boston College. So a relatively slow start, but only a freshman, still only nineteen years of age at this moment. When his sophomore year could be starting any moment now, <laughs> at least we would hope so. Long as things get rolling again, Marshall Warren, super young guy again, left shot defenseman. So we're pretty full at right. We're pretty full at left. 
at this stage. Uh, Hovanov had a really nice shootout goal recently. His numbers have certainly not been stellar in his first seven games. In fact, just four penalty minutes and a plus two. But he did score, luckily, on the shootout. Those do not show up in the stat sheet. Moncton Wildcats, too bad last year. He could have gotten to 100 points, but wound up with 99 due to to the same old thing. So (laughs) we won't use that term anymore. We'll see. But uh, the cupboards are filling up. The cupboards are definitely filling up. Marco Rossi has been pledging that he's ready to play now, immediately in the National Hockey League. Unfortunately, that's the one thing. Here's the toughest part of all, due to rules, this and that. At least we'll see what happens on the uh, the Scoop podcast. Marco Rossi's a coach over there with a very nice, strong accent for the Ottawa 67s was saying how he was, you know, wasn't 100% sure about the rules, that he probably can't play in the AHL. But uh, more than likely, yeah, Marco Rossi, it's either NHL or back to Ottawa 67s. So that's kind of a tough situation. You don't want to rush a guy's development yet you don't want to waste a year either. It's kind of a mixed bag here when it comes to Marco Rossi coming to Minnesota. There's like a nine-game period where he would have to go back to juniors or literally just stay with Minnesota. Like it's all over with the juniors, this and that, at that stage with Marco Rossi coming in. Is he ready to go full-time to the National Hockey League to be like maybe a number two, you know, second-line center, so to speak, for Minnesota? We'll see. He certainly seems to believe so. Uh, not a whole lot of ninth, ninth overall picks have done that. So we're just going to have to wait and see on that one. It's extremely rare. Usually it's top three type of guys that go uh, that early. But maybe Marco Rossi would have been a top three pick. That's the one positive way to look at this. Maybe he would have been in a normal draft season. But uh, this was a weird, crazy situation where they just, you know, Ottawa wanted Stutzel instead and uh, Lucas Riemann heading to Detroit instead. And, of course, uh, <laughs> Ottawa and Anaheim wanting defensemen. So it is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to go over that again. That would be kind of crazy. We've had a history of players that were drafted as centers that end up moving to wing right away like Boldy. We'll see what happens. But he looks awesome as a left winger at the moment. Uh, again, Pierre-Marc Bouchard, Mikhail Granlin. So hopefully Rossi is a legitimate center for long term. And basically the way he came into the draft or after being drafted, this and that. He said, hey, Minnesota needs a center. I'm a center. <laughs> Got to like the attitude there. That was awesome. Uh, just, hey, they need a center. I'm a center. <laughs> it's like that simple. That simple, and you want to keep it that simple because if it is, if it's that cut and dry, what an awesome situation this could be for Minnesota, and what a wonderful pick. Marco Rossi, indeed, will be for the Minnesota Wild. So there's your draft. Only five guys because of trading uh, trading guys away, this and that, moving up in the draft. It's nice to have guts. It's nice to have an opinion on players. One thing about Bill Guerin, he has an opinion. He has an opinion. He has a plan. He has something. Because when he's literally just getting rid of guys and literally moving up in the draft in just about every position except basically every one of these guys except Marco Rossi and Ryan O'Rourke, the Wild moved up. Mar the Wild in terms of Bill Guerin moved up. Moved up to get Kuznetsov, Kuznetinov, pardon me, Damon Hunt and Pavel Novak. Every one of these players Bill Guerin moved up for. Rossi, he and then Rossi, he knew exactly when not to move up and then he figured, hey, we got to move up to get these guys and of course a combination uh, moving up and acquiring picks while trading away some talented players that were already on the roster. 
by the way, that 70th pick was part of the uh, Damon Hunt trade, obviously, yes. So that's part of that. That's why there's no 70th pick to get Damon Hunt in the third round. Four picks in the first three rounds for Minnesota. Two second rounders. Three picks in the first 39 overall. Pretty awesome. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, it's interesting, though, to note how Bill Guerin literally, you know, he, he was done with... Uh, Luke Cunning, and it's like you look over his numbers; they never really were that good, were they? It's not trying to be rude. It's not trying to sideswipe a guy who gave everything he had for the, for this team, and another guy who could have been captain material. You would have thought he's a Bill Guerin type of guy, but maybe just the production just wasn't there, wasn't enough. Even though he did produce in the postseason, you could see production. You could see him moving forward everywhere he went from college to the AHL, to the NHL. I could see production and improvement for Luke Conant, but maybe they just maybe Bill Guerin and co. just didn't think there was enough long-term future with uh, Luke Cunning as maybe a Nashville saw. Like maybe Nashville sees him as a 60-point guy. Bill Guerin sees him, maybe he's just a 40 to 45 at the, at the top of his ceiling. And that must be part of why he was willing to make the deal. Possibly. Uh, and obviously you got to give up something to get something. There's that side too. Bill Guerin uh, trying to be more honest in that department as well. So it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see where a lot of these guys stack up. Yeah, I can see the error here. Ah, they mixed up Marcus for Marcus. What dummies. So Kirill, uh, at least according to... Now we got something messing up here. According to the Daily Faceoff, Marcus Johansson is the center, not Felino, because I know who they meant. Kirill Kaprizov, left winger. Kevin Fiala, right winger. Jewel Erickson, and I do agree with this decision at this point, unless it's Marco Rossi. If there's no Marco Rossi on the roster, Jewel Erickson, second line center, left winger Zach Parisi, if he's not traded, we'll see, and right winger Matt Zuccarello. Not a very inspiring line in terms of uh, Zuccarello, but it is what it is at this point. We're stuck with him for the moment. Nick and Nick, Nick, Nick and Jordan on the third line. Nick Benino, Nick Bugle Bukestad on the right wing, Jordan Greenway on the left wing. Victor Rask. Victor Rask will be the fourth-line center with Marcus Foligno, possibly a captain or an alternate captain on the left wing. Ryan Hartman on the right wing. We'll see how many of these guys are actually here long-term. Victor Rask, I kind of agree with Bill Guerin's approach there as well because you buy him out, he's going to be a cap hit for four years. You understand that, right? <laughs> a four-year cap hit is expensive and long and dumb. You know, even if the last two years are 1.3 million, it's still a cap hit. That's just lingering. So I kind of agree with that. And Rask wasn't that bad. Is he worth 4 million a year? Uh, no. But is it worth getting the team stuck with a cap hit for four bleeping seasons when it could be just two? I don't know. I, I think I'm okay with that decision. I don't. I'm not in love with Victor Rask, but he played pretty well when he was on the fourth line. And on the fourth line, you're not counted on to be fast. When we moved him up to like second line and stuff, that was kind of crappy. But that's what happens when you have injuries to guys like Koivu and Stahl and stuff like that. Just crappy situations. Uh, Jewelry Shinek, I think, was missing a little bit of time as well. That was a really icky situation. But, um, yeah, when he's in the bottom six, third or fourth line center, he's good. Nick Benino is going to be the third line center. I think that's just a perfect role for him. Uh, the fourth line could be just fine. Uh but then again, look at me talking about Victor Rask on the fourth line. It's probably going to be Nico's term. I like his skills quite a bit. But uh, we'll see what happens. Victor Rask will at least be the 
fifth center at the end of the day. Nico Sturm is probably more likely to get that position. It's just he's not been penciled in with it yet. And we'll see if uh, all these guys are still here at the end of the day. We don't know. We don't know. I mean, maybe Rask does get traded. Maybe we'll see what happens. Benino is just a one-year solution at the moment. And luckily, Nashville's picking up $1.7 of the tab. So that helps quite a bit for the cap hit at the end of the day. Because otherwise, it's 4.2 mil coming to Minnesota. Interesting situation there as you're moving forward. Nick Benino again acquired. Kyle Raw was extended for a one-year two-way extension. Matt Bartowski. Bartkowski, pardon me. Uh, he's a left-shot defenseman in the system, but he can play on the right with Iowa. He's, I believe it is early 30s already, but he was a solid minor league defenseman who's played in the NHL up and down. Sam Onis is going to the St. Louis Blues. Colden Beck also not extended any type of offer. JT Brown not uh, extended an offer. And another major notable in my mind, Matt Robson not extended a qualifying offer. Luckily, the Minnesota Wild did extend a qualifying offer to Brendan Menel, of course, Jordan Greenway, and a few others as well. Matt Robson, though, has become an unrestricted free agent. Hunter Warner and Stephen Falkowski. I thought he might get something, but nope, no qualifying offer for him. We'll see what happens at the end of the day with Brendan Menel and such. But again, he's in the KHL at the moment. And I was writing an article. Now I'm kind of delaying on it because of all this other information going on. I was writing an article, The Mysteries and Wonders of uh, Brennan Menno. We'll get that out someday at some point. Uh, again, Galchenyuk becomes an unrestricted free agent. No news yet, but Miko Koivu, who was uh, informed he will not be coming back with the Minnesota Wild. This afternoon, at least uh, as of August 10th, I'm probably going to be releasing the show on August 11th, so my apologies for using the apologies for using the date at this moment. But Miko Cuevo has signed a one-year, $1.5 million contract with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, my God! So Miko Cuevo will be a bit of a Matt Collin for the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's kind of sad a little bit, but it is what it is. People on pages out there like Minnesota Wild Global a bit devastated. I'm not that devastated about it. I mean, it's kind of sad and all that to see him in another jersey. It's going to be freaking weird. I'm not that broken up about it because I agree with it's time to kind of change the guard here in Minnesota. I agree with a bit of that. Uh, Dakota Mermis and Mike Liambas also. Oh no, not Mike Liambas. Uh, Joseph Kramarosa. Kramarosa, say that fast three times, have been added to the minor league uh, Iowa Wild ultimately one year two way contract so we'll see what happens I'll make a in the low hundred thousands at the very least with Iowa good for them in that category sorry for the noise there Matt Robson again it's going to be an unrestricted free agent not tendered a qualifying offer I'm a little kind of surprised by that you gave up on him pretty quick his numbers weren't that good but gosh I'm kind of surprised um Sam Honest though he's going to be with the St. Louis Blues organization now and he's very excited to join a such a great organization, as he said. So, it is what it is. He's 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 gone. He's gone. So, and again, Cam Talbot has been inked to a three-year contract. For let's get to cap friendly here again. He is making a bit over three million a year right now. Three years, ten million per. At the end of the day, I had everything up. Oh yeah, it's way over here. My apologies. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but three point six repeating line up to the seven at the end. So 3.66 is, as you get the idea, down to 
for him for three years. So that's the cap hit. Again, three years, $10 million. And that's kind of what I was suspecting with Cam Talbot if he came to Minnesota or some other, you could call it stopgap goaltender, stopgap, pardon me. Uh, Thomas Grice is wound up with the Detroit Red Wings. That's an interesting one. Two years there for 3.6. So 3.6 per. Interesting. So uh, Talbot over Thomas Grice. Maybe the goals against average with Talbot, to be fair, has actually been better. Even though Grice at times can be flat out lethal and a shot, you know, just a shutout type of guy. But his goals against average is actually kind of high when you look at it. With the with New York, but his goals against average to be around 2.8 almost. That's what kind of scared me a teeny bit, but I was looking at Talbot or Grice on the last episode, and I'm sure anybody listening to it noticed that. Talbot and Grice. So all of you that are pissed off about the mild signing Cam Talbot, I'm not, I don't agree with you. I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move. It's only three years, and we'll see what happens. Maybe you end up making a Devin Dubnik type of trade at the end. Maybe it's a fifth or sixth round pick if you have to, if you need to get him off the roster. But at the end of the day, Talbot has been a damn good goalie. And there were a lot of situations he didn't have good defense in front of him, good defensemen in front of him, and now he does. And he's extremely excited. That's why I saw this one as a no-brainer because of what can be done in front of him. It is kind of scary to think of how high Stalock and Dubnik's goals against average were last year with Minnesota with such a good defense because I remember even talking about it going into last season, very early last season, when you looked at uh, was it Dom Lucision's uh, analytics for the Minnesota Wild and the NHL and such when Devin Dumnik was not really a reason for his high goals against average and the, the, the low goals against average in general for Minnesota. It was, the, it was the top four defensemen in front of him. They were the true reason for that. And that Dumnik was actually giving up a lot of soft goals all the time. And that last year, it just really caught up. Cam Talbot, we'll see. Uh, he's had one bad year, one kind of bad year, and a lot of pretty solid years. Uh, one very good year in 16-17. I've never really hated on Cam Talbot, even though it was a crappy 18-19 uh, season for him in Edmonton. 19-20, he was flat out great in Calgary. Well, maybe not great, but damn good in Calgary to a point where I was just saying, don't even think about Riddich. Cam Talbot, all the way in the postseason. and They went that direction. And I was uh, I was a fan the whole time. A bigger goalie, just like Dubnik, but uh, maybe not as many uh, miles on the on the body. That's the good part because he's played a bit of a platoon role the past couple of years with Edmonton and Calgary. This and that. I like Cam Talbot, and I think he's a nice addition, and he's very excited to be here. At the end of the day, Carson Soucy also. That's another one inked to a three-year contract. I almost forgot about that. Two point seven five. Two point seven five. Two point seven five million for three years. Combined, you know, so it's like an eight million dollar contract for Carson Susie. So again, there's your left side defense shored up. You still got Suter for the next five years <laughs> with that pretty high cap hit, and watch out for the cap recapture bullcrap. <laughs> Man, it seems like yesterday Matt Dumba signed his extension. He's only got three years left, six mil per. But that's your uh, number two. Right defenseman Jared Spurge is the highest paid player on the team right now. He's got the highest cap hit on the entire roster by about $37,000. Difference from Suter and Palizzi. So uh, very interesting how that turns out. That's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. 
<laughs> Smirch is the richest man on Minnesota at the moment. But overall, it is Suter Parisi because of the term, not necessarily the just just the contract, but the term. Uh, Spurgeon, though, nice uh, overall deal there. But there was the cap situation with Minnesota where we cheated a little bit, and that's where you get the evil recapture crap. Spurgeon right side, Suter left. Dumba right side, Brodine left. This and that, and then Susie left side. And the right side is either Greg Pattern, Brad Hunt, or Louis Belpedio. We'll see what happens at this moment. Sounds like we're done in free agency. Just signed Cam Talbot, and that's it pretty much because... When you look at the free agency situation, or excuse me, the salary cap situation going into the next season, it's pretty insane, especially in the forward department. Now, of course, one of the players is going to, yeah, <laughs> at least a couple of the guys are going to probably take up some of that spot, some of that money that aren't. Uh, Marcus Johansson, unrestricted free agent after next year. Nick Bonino, unrestricted free agent after next year. Right there, when you combine those two guys, that's $8.6 off the books if the Wild move on. Kevin Fiala, restricted free agent, so you're going to expect a higher cap hit there. Marcus Foligno, unrestricted free agent. $2.875 million for Foligno off the books, or he gets re-signed with a similar or a slightly higher salary. I don't know. Scary there. Because a lot of people thought that was actually too high for Felino coming in, where now maybe just give him the same salary because he kind of earned it. Nick Bukestad, just over just over $2 million off the books next year as well. Ryan Hartman restricted. Not sure if he's coming back. Jewel Eriksson-Eck, I would hope he's coming back and going to get a raise of some sort. Just under $1.5 mil otherwise. Kirill Kaprizov is, uh, yeah, why, why the French accent, pardon me. It's more like Kirill Kaprizov. It's uh, obviously going to get a significant raise in 21-22. I would hope it's it's probably going to be like a three-year bridge type of deal, though, unless he has an absolutely insane season right out of the gate. It'll be like a three-year, five million per, three years, 15 million. That's just my, my guess, where it'll be a bridge to the next contract type of deal. Still significant at five million versus like, you know, you know, Five million versus like two or three, like we did with Grandin. Was it like three million per for a short time there when he did his bridge deal? Nico Sturm again, very small amount of money, very small commitment, just two years, one point five, so not a whole lot there. Jordan Greenway is also inked an extension, about two point five million per. Is it? Yeah, four point two million, so two point one million per season cap hit for Jordan Greenway to come back to Minnesota. He was already a restricted free agent. And that's it for the restricted free agents for this season. But I got to think, you got to get things rolling with Fiala very soon. And Kirill Kaprizov, that's never going to end right now. And he becomes an unrestricted free agent, potentially. So it is an interesting situation. No, we'd still hold his rights, pardon me. We would still hold his rights. So it's not too scary. Yeah, that would be bad. But, uh, yeah, you just got to sign him right away again, and it's probably going to be a long-term deal. Otherwise, you could risk losing him as an unrestricted free agent if you don't if you don't sign him for a significant amount of time. Again, him being Kirill Kaprizov, this and that. Pardon me for being so long-winded, but there was a lot to get to. So no question about that there. I don't think I missed anything significant at this stage, other than, again, Sad to see certain people go, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Including, like, a Sam Honest, this and that. He's just, he's screwed. There's too many forwards already under contract at the moment, even though you're going to have some free agency coming up. I think he's tired of waiting. So we'll see what happens with him with the Blues. Blah, 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 blah. So with that said, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, with, with that said, we're going to take a quick break and come back with some fan interaction. Get to hear from you guys, your conversation, Derek Felska and many others. Can't wait to do it. <laughs> here on Brave the Wild, segment number two, fan interaction segment. Can't thank Derek Falska enough for rounding up some questions on Twitter like he does for this show. It is just the greatest thing ever. Crease and Assist, he is the host of that. The Sports Daily, great story behind the name, Crease and Assist, like cease and, cease and desist, Crease and Assist, hockey related. Yeah, check that out. Uh, there'll be a uh, <laughs> episode for Brave the Wild where Derek explains the story behind that name. It used to be State of Hockey, but yeah, okay, you get the idea. Oh, I won't let the cat out of the bag, and it's a very fun show. Myself and Derek, back and forth conversation about the Wild and NHL history and all that, North Stars history, and got to have him on again soon. Hopefully my schedule lightens up. Of course, it, it will at some point at the end of November, but we'll get there when we get there. As Mike Zimmer would say, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Derek Velsky leads things off again at Twitter, at Brave the Wild at Brave the Wild on Twitter anyway. Hashtag BTWMN is where you can have your questions and comments that would come right to the show. It kind of, you know, it gathers it all together. That's the whole point, so I'm not digging and going crazy. But I'll probably look in the mentions as well, because it looks like there's usually a little bit more going on in there as well, floating around. we got people replying rather than doing the hashtag. So, Derek leads things off, like I said. What do you think the forward combinations would be for next year? At this point, Marcus Johansson is the most likely person to be the team's top center, question mark? <laughs> question mark, right? Yeah, I, I think he is at this point. That doesn't yeah, and it's like it doesn't necessarily mean he's the best choice for it, but at the moment it pretty much has to be. Uh he's had more success at the wing, as as you probably know as much as I do, uh with other teams, obviously in the past, especially Boston, major success in the postseason when the Boston Bruins got to game seven of the cup finals and unfortunately lost. And like I was talking about in, earlier in the show, they do have him there, but they messed it up. Marcus Foligno, Marcus Foligno. <laughs> Marcus Foligno, top line center. Marcus Foligno, fourth line left wing. Yeah, they mean Marcus Johansson. They just uh, messed it up. But that's kind of funny. What is this garbage? Don't you just love when these... Uh, it's like the whole page gets covered with an ad. It's like, give me a chance here. Some some ads are good, some ads are not. Okay, but uh, no, I do believe he'll be the top-line center for Minnesota jumping forward. Sorry for, for the interruption there. That was unexpected. Always love that. Another one, uh, Derek was sharing a question from Jason Mitchum. Thank you very much, Jason and Derek there. What line do we anticipate Rossi starts out on? It would be the second-line center, most likely. I don't think there's any way you could put him on the top line right out of the gate. Top-line center, that's a lot of pressure. So if he starts, on with, uh, starts out with Minnesota right away or even as soon as next season I would think second line would be my guess second line center still very super important role as he would get on the second power play unit at the very least and have scoring chances he'd probably be on the penalty kill too second penalty kill that's just kind of his role he kind of does a little bit of everything does uh, Marco Rossi that's why he's such a doggone exciting addition thank you very much Jason always always appreciate it Derek continues with a new one says 
got a wild question after all the roster moves and the draft the team has had this week. Ask Brave the Wild. Just tag your question. Hashtag BDW up. Thank you very much. And that's how Derek got things rolling. Looks like there's replies in there. So that's where I better... I'll jump on that in a bit so I don't mess everything up and have to reload everything. Dave Johnson says, if Marco Rossi doesn't make the Wilds opening roster, can, uh, can he be loaned to a European pro team instead of having to play juniors again? That was a, yeah, that was one I looked at. I was like, uh-oh, yeah, it's a tough situation there. I think, I'm pretty sure it's NHL or juniors. I don't like that very much, but I think that's how it's pretty much the way things are. Once you're in juniors, you're kind of like there until a certain point, until you're finally like an NHL player, that type of thing. It's an it's an age deal and all that. Even, even to be honest, even Marco Rossi's coach didn't know the rules 100% about all of that, but more than likely, you know, coaching on the OHL club. I don't think he can be loaned out. And it would pretty much be Minnesota or Ottawa 67s, like not even the AHL, because that's obviously another pro team, so to speak, that he could be, it'd be nice to loan him, so to speak, to the Iowa Wild, because that's a pro team. It's professional hockey, it's just not NHL hockey. And I think that's, that would make things a lot easier with what's going on with all the restrictions and such all over the planet. We all know what those are. Uh, obviously, in juniors, he's in Canada. So, again, that's another quarantine situation. At least I'm pretty sure it still is. So that's how things go there. Pretty sure it's juniors or NHL, Dave. Uh, pretty sure, unfortunately. I would like to at least see him get a, get his feet wet in the, in the AHL. That would be nice if we could just do that right away, but... It just is what it is. Derek, again, trying to round up more questions just in case. Just, uh, getting a couple other people on board there. Let me help get Dave Johnson there. Thank you, Dave. Always appreciate it. Rich Blummer, that was oh, that was from March the 4th. Yeah, this is where things get uh, <laughs> messed up. He was actually asking, will Koivu resign with the team? And it turned out he wound up with the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets because Mr. Guerin moved on. So he would have signed with the Wild. He would have resigned here if Guerin gave him the thumbs up. Like, yes, we'd like to have you back. Oh, I gotta enjoy the morning coffee, right? Don't we all? Ty Sandstrom, welcome back to the show, says, Are you feeling as underwhelmed by the Wild's 20th anniversary logo as I am? I don't think it's that bad. It's not spectacular or anything, but I don't think it's that bad. It's, you know, it's cool that you get the old uh, numbers logo and all that. I don't expect a whole lot, anything super exciting for a 20th anniversary logo necessarily, but I think it's okay. I guess I'm not as underwhelmed by it as you are, I suppose, Ty, but uh, I mean, I understand. Maybe it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but uh, you know, I think it's okay. Justin Backey of the Sound the Foghorn podcast with Brett Marshall and Zeke Boyette also do a great job there. He says, uh, Justin says, and of course, Justin Backey is also of MNW Prospects. Yep, that's where I first met him. Awesome. Awesome group, and I'm a part of it as well. MNW Prospects. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Justin Baggy says, How do you feel about the quality of picks in this draft over quantity? Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, with the Wild drafting Rossi, could you see them move Dumba for a high-end winger now? I'm thinking it's more of a center, Justin, most likely, and I'm guessing that's what you meant. And again, congratulations to Justin. Just brought another one into the world this past week. So very good, very good for him. I believe that's his third kid. I, it's his second or third. I apologize for my ignorance. I believe it's number three. So congratulations, Justin Backey, of many publications like MNW Prospects. And, of course, uh, well, yeah, Tom the Foghorn just obviously loves hockey. And, of course, uh, got to meet Mike, uh, Michael Russo 
not too long ago uh, with The Athletic. That was pretty cool, getting in an article. Um, I do think there's a possibility Dumba gets moved, but I do also believe that Dumba's likelihood of getting moved has dropped a bit, unfortunately. There's no major rush to bring him on board, though with guys like Kalen Addison, and if you want to bring in Brennan Mendel or not, depending on what you're doing with him, guys like Kalen Addison, Brennan Mendel, obviously even Louis Belpedio, who could be on the third pairing today if, if he makes the club. I, I think he could over like a Brad Hunt or Greg Patteron. Obviously, things would be crowded and somebody would have to get moved. Like Brad Hunt, I got to think, could easily get traded because 700000 expiring contract, that's not much. And... I don't know, you could even put him in the AHL if you're not pleased enough with Brad Hunt. A lot of people like him. Uh, I think he's better than Greg Pattern. And obviously Pattern's on a one-way deal, so you're going to pay him $2.25 million in the AHL even if you send him there. That's the crappy part. Still about half the price of Victor Rass, which is really funny. Uh, to the point, though, I think, like Michael Russo has said, that uh, Bill Guerin has his price for Matt Dumba, and it's more than likely a you know, a top six type of center. At, at least a really good number two center for Matt Dumba, I gotta think. That's, I'm guessing, what he's looking for. I can't imagine it's just draft picks or, like, a. I don't think it's a winger. I think we're kind of crowded at the wing position, especially left wing. It's insane. Uh, absolutely crazy. That's why you saw Zucker and uh, Ryan Donato go. And, uh, Luke Cunningham even was moved, and that's an interesting thought right there. So it opened a spot in the right wing area. So we'll see. Is it a trade to lead to another one? We'll find out. So far, they have been. Every trade has led to another one so far. So I guess you never know. <laughs> Dave Johnson, that was on September 17th. He was talking about Dummy and Monahan. Yep, and I was pro Monahan on that one. Derek Felska says, Wild GM Bill Guerin made a statement about how nice it is to play for the Wild and Minnesota, but if they didn't want to work, they'd find someone else who could. Uh-huh. Do you think... The remainder of the country club, number 11, number 20, and number 30, got the message or nah? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just the same old, same old with those guys. Uh, God bless them and everything. July 4th was great. Nothing was exciting about the Zuccarillo signing. Nothing was. Obviously, Derek would agree with that, I gotta think. That was a very uh, underwhelming move by... Paul Fenton, supposedly he was trying to save his job, like I'm trying to make a move, bring in a name to show that I'm actually doing something rather than just hanging out in Boston or Florida or wherever the heck he was hanging out, uh, Cape Cod, whatever the heck it was during the summertime. <laughs> but if you're going to make some kind of a free agent move, not Zuccarello, not for that much, not with a no-move clause that goes for, what, four years or something? Oh, my... And then Parisi Suter, the move clause goes on forever and ever and ever and ever, right? It's like uh, it's it's like The Shining. That's kind of almost what Parisi and Suter are right now. They're like the two girls in The Shining. Come and play with us. We want to play with you forever and ever. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. Hopefully you like that, Derek. I don't know. That's what it feels like to me with those guys, though. Especially number 20. <clears throat> I think Derek knows who number 20 is, and <sighs> he can probably know what my chuckle is all about. Uh, complicated person. Um, complicated business with uh, number 20. Complicated business. Complicated. Uh, number 11, Zach Parisi. Obviously, he can still score goals. Suter, you could argue, is actually still 
close to his prime, like closer to his prime than uh, Zach Parisi is. Parisi, I don't know, Parisi or Parise, maybe Parise, since Doc Emery calls him that. Um, it's what happened to him in the summer. I don't know. Is he going to come back like 41 year old Brett Favre and not be able to play at all anymore? I don't know. I'm kind of scared about that. He looked, he scared me a little bit in the summer when he came back post uh, lockdown or furlough, as I like to call it. Suter still looks like Suter, this and that. Obviously, a good player, not a superstar, and complicated business included. We'll leave that where it is. He's just not that, you know. He's a frustrating, frustrating individual when it comes to the wild. It's mostly the minutes. Let's just, you know, obviously most of you know about that, the minutes and the demand, this and that. He just needs his minutes all the time, no matter what. And Mike Yo would say, Suter's gossed out there, because Suter just would rather have his minutes than give you high-quality play in those big moments. You don't want to hear about Suter being gossed out there, like Mike Yo would always say. But um, I don't think they're ever going to come out of the country club. I, I don't think so. I think that's who they are. Finally, long story longer. I think that's who they are, unfortunately. Sorry for rambling so much. But uh, it, it got me going, though. It got me going. <laughs> I mean, because there's a lot of frustration with these contracts. And there's not a whole hell of a lot we can do right now unless somebody out there, like the New York Islanders, Lou Amarillo, wants his old buddy back because, uh, you know, Lou Amarillo drafted Zach Parisi with the New Jersey Devils. And they, well, it was a well-run organization. The New York Islanders are a well-run organization. Unfortunately, they ran into a buzzsaw called the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's all. That's all. They ran into a buzzsaw called the Tampa Bay Lightning. Other than that, I mean, New York could have been a cup contender. I, I think they could have beat Dallas in the final. Absolutely. It's a bummer. They just ran into a, a, a great team. Maybe Zach Reeves the last piece. No, he, at least he's a, he'd be a third liner who could score, that's for sure. I don't think they got the message, though. That's just my guess. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. But I don't think there's a whole hell lot you can do, especially about number 20. I think he's just kind of stuck in his ways, to be to be blunt. Jay Bushy, welcome back to the show. Says, does Rossi make the opening day roster this season? Well, he's sure as hell going to try. And with a guy who is as dedicated as he's been, and you see how easy he made things look with the Ottawa 67s. He just looked like Johnny Carson doing his show, if you know what I mean. Talent like that makes it look so easy. Like, say, Johnny Carson made 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 look his, made his show look so easy to do. And if one of us sat down in that chair, it'd be like, you know. So that's that's where I might have confidence in Rossi. Of course, it's in the OHL. So it's, that also tells me, I think him being in the OHL would be, just be a waste of time, honestly. I mean, yay, he might get 150 points. But what good is it going to do him, you know? Woohoo, you know? Whereas in the NHL, you might be able to see some legitimate uh, progress. I'm confident he can make it. I think it's 67%, so to speak, 66, 67%, like two-thirds type of percent that he can make it. He's he's an unusual guy, and plus the whole the whole conversation about ninth overall picks don't make it, but chances are he might have gone third overall in a different draft. So I think, I think there's a 66% chance that uh, Rossi makes it, Jay. Dave Johnson says if... Oh, that was back in March. Damn. Yeah, I wish it was. I wish this could be chronological. It sometimes it is, and sometimes it just gets scrambled all over the place. Okay, let's see. Justin Backey, 
mentioning the last show. What a great guy. He says, uh, this show was a great listen by my friend Paladino Live and fellow MNW Prospect hosts. Uh, yep, 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 we're with MNW Prospects there. We're talking about the Minnesota Wild Prospects on that page. It's obviously Twitter, Facebook, uh, all that good stuff. We keep up with the prospects like the Hovenovs and obviously Kaprizov was the featured presentation. Now it's probably going to be Rossi until he's on the roster or someone else, I guess. Someone else will emerge because like, like an Adam Beckman, guys like that, because Rossi might not be on the, the wild right away. Of course, we'll still talk about him, but he, w- he would be, uh, he would be an on the, on the job prospect at that point. Sorry about that. He says, uh, had to split up the listen being a two hour show because it was state of the wild. Yep. But it goes into depth on the season and what's to come, possibly. I recommend to anyone. And thank you again, Justin. Really appreciate that. That was awesome. Chris, I think, yep, that was July. I wish these were, yeah. I think that's it. I think that's it for this current show. Yeah, Conflict of Nations. That was an ad. Huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely, sometimes one of them, sometimes they pop up here. This is new. Yeah, this one's new. Okay. Mike Wasik says, uh, wow, I looked at at his stats and oh, wow. I guess, I would guess the Minnesota Wild could use that kind of production. What would the Wild have to get up, uh, give up to get top four for him? What was the conversation about, though? Hmm. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Yep, okay, good. Let's see. I wanted to make sure there was nothing else. Where's the actual conversation, though? Click on that. Derek Felsk. Okay. Okay. It's a response to a Cole Brevetti conversation with Derek Felska. Ah, I see. Derek Felska says, I did originally have Cole Brevetti on my Minnesota Wild draft list. Yep. Yep. I remember this tweet. I even had a full write-up for him. However, I moved him out of the article because of his uh, Protection by many mocks. Oh, uh, prediction by many mocks had him in the top four or five. Lastly, there are questions whether he's a center or a wing. And yeah, it sounds like he's going to be a wing moving to the NHL. And he reminds me of a Grandland, just like a better version of him. So yes, uh, Mike Wasik was saying, yep, I, I looked at his stats and oh wow, I would guess the Wild could use that type of production. What would the Wild have to give up to the top four to get him? Um, luckily, they didn't have to move up to the top four. <laughs> That's the funny part. Isn't that the darndest thing? Isn't that the darndest thing? Oh, they didn't even have to move up. He wound up going 10th. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that turned out, Mike and Derek? Oh, my God. You know, it's the darndest thing. And I should have responded and joined the conversation, but it, I don't know. I, I got distracted at work because work is, you know, it's crazy. Derek says, probably Dumba and probably another first-round pick. Yet, in my opinion, if we were going to deal number 24, would be better to be getting a uh, – we better get a center – some reason why I didn't have Stutzel on my list too. Same reason. I figured he'd be gone. Yep. I think it will be super tough to get into the top five. And yeah, that's just that magical area. It's like the it's like the no man zone when it comes to moving up. Unless you're just absolutely obsessed with the player. And a lot of times teams lose in those situations. Only in the NFL you win sometimes, like uh and <laughs> but Patrick Mahomes didn't even go in the top five in the NFL draft. That's the funny part. He went high, but he wasn't quite top five. And, whew, yeah, it's it's crazy. It would be like a crazy type of move where it's not in the top five. Oh, boy. Notifications. Got some likes, this and that. Here we go, Dave Johnson. Here we go, it popped up. Okay, that one already was red. 
Let's see, because I know there was some conversations. There we go. Tom Hayen says, apologies for missing out on the Q-Fest today. Would have been a big one. Red got bounced out of North Memorial. Hmm. So we're dealing with that. That's that's a different conversation, I think. <laughs> um, what's this other one? I second that question. Okay, yep. Both uh, Ty Sandstrom and Jay Bushy asking if uh, Rossi makes the roster. I love that Rossi and roster, but we'll see. Uh, I think there's a good chance. Certainly not a guarantee, but he's got a shot at it. That's kind of how I lean with that one. Making sure if there's some extra stuff or not in here. I think that is it, though. Derek Felska was saying how, yep, Cam Talbot, yep, that he was talking to Minnesota, flame, uh, the Flames, obviously that's the club he's with, uh, Detroit, Dallas, and New Jersey, Calgary Flames, of course. I loved Cam Talbot last year with the Calgary Flames. I think he did a pretty good job. Hmm, there's an interesting back and forth here, possibly. Oh, shoot, I wish I just jumped on earlier. Mike says, uh, will be interesting to see what lineup will be to start the season. Although promising, we will have to wait until 10 or so games into the season to have a better idea what we can expect. Yep, I, I agree with that. Justin was replying. It's kind of like a group conversation, like when tweets get all together. Justin was saying, I agree, I have to do my homework on Hunt still. That would be Damien Hunt, not uh, <laughs> not Brad Hunt. Yep, I, yep, that's what he means. But to draft Novak, who was third in rookie scoring in the WHL, is pretty solid for a round five, uh, for round five pick. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Dan Bradley says, I doubt Hunt and Novak see the love in this poll, but there's a lot to get excited about. Best draft in years. Yeah, but it's going to be pretty damn exciting, I think, too. Yeah, there was a poll from Derek Felska asking fans, which day two draft selection intrigues you the most? And it wound up being Kuznutinov, 60.3%. Ryan O'Rourke, who I actually I voted for because I think he's really interesting. I love the article I read. Uh, 36%. Damon Hunt, only 26 And Pavel Novak, 1.3. Yep, so uh, Brad was right there, that's for sure. Uh, Dan Bradley, pardon me. Yep, and there's the trade. There's the article. Yep, yep, very good. Uh, very good job there. All right, Derek, I think... This could go on forever now because I'm in the mentions. <laughs> um, yep, Tom Hayen. Here we go. He says, "Yeah, I don't think I heard from Tom Hayen today in the questions. That's a bummer. Hmm, must not have seen it or something. Maybe he got busy talking about Rossi. Five foot nine, but he's 190 pounds. Not worried that he's not McKinnon fast. If he didn't have the offensive resume, then I'd be concerned. Kid obviously knows what to do in the offensive end." And his work ethic is apparently second to none. Yes, it truly is. It truly is. Absolutely. Justin Backy responding, I believe, in this one, saying Elite Prospects has, has him as an above-average skater. This is the pick I have been excited about the most in many years, maybe ever for the Wild. Yeah, pretty cool. Me too. For a long time. You know, it could be the best since Gabrick, hopefully. Hopefully. Derek again was saying, I think he might be more physically prepared than most 19-year-olds. We'll see, but I think it will be a challenge because it's a pretty big jump from Major Junior to the NHL, even if the Minnesota Wild are desperate for a top-six center. Yeah, yeah, yep. 
it's a big jump. It's a big jump, and hopefully it's not uh, too much. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Bear1870 says, I, <laughs> I don't want to be a downer, but a good skater, not great, undersized, good, complete level, sounds like you heard this before. I will be the first to admit I haven't followed the players in this draft like I used to. Am I off base here? Yep, so mm, I hope not. No, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I hope so, actually, in terms of I hope I hope Rossi isn't, uh, doesn't end up being a mediocre player because that's basically what he's kind of hinting that could happen. Tom Hayen was saying if Bill Guerin didn't take Rossi, there would have been a virtual mass pandelarium on social media. Too many big time, uh, too many times this organization has outthought itself. Yeah, yep, trying to get too cute. This was an easy pick once Rossi's name fell to number nine, and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that should about wrap it up, though. Very exciting moment. Yep, very exciting moment it truly was. So, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Derek Felska, Crease and Assist, The Sport Daily, uh, MW Prospects, Justin Backey, Brandon Quast, Derek, uh, what am I saying? Uh, Pavel Bennett, thank you so much for having me on board with that. I cover the the Q, as they call it, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and British Columbia Hockey League, BCHL, for that. Obviously, other guys cover the WHL, like Adam Beckman, so cool. Uh, OHL, college, uh, KHL, other European leagues. That's where Pavel usually goes. Uh, that's where a lot of his coverage is to keep things together. That, that way it's not just one or two people covering everything. You know, it's a big, it's a list of leagues, and that way we can keep up with the group. And I'm honored to cover the, the Q and the, the BCHL. So much fun. I, I absolutely love it. And of course, prospects at the NHL level and the AHL and ECHL. Those are other professional leagues out there to go along with things. ECHL is probably about college level, maybe even slightly weaker. I'd say it's about college level, actually. Yeah, it's a, maybe... What did they say? The OHL is like the ninth toughest league. College is eighth. And then I'm saying, I, I, I got to think BCHL is number seven when it comes to the uh, the level of competition, so to speak. NHL number one, KHL number two, blah, blah, blah. AHL is probably number three, I think, at the end of the day. <clears throat> I would think so. As goaltenders, uh, starting goaltenders in the AHL are generally good enough to be backup goalies in the NHL. So stuff like that. But skaters, not so much sometimes. You just don't know. It's it's a tougher adjustment for the skaters and the goalies, interestingly enough. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for being a part of things and keeping the conversation coming. Uh, Sound the Foghorn, Soda Pod, thank you guys so much for having me on board. Absolute honor. And with that said, I think that should be about a wrap on this show. Please join on board. Please get into the questions. Hashtag BTWMN, PTWMN, hashtag. Uh, it's an absolute honor to get your questions and conversate with you on air the way I did just now. The more, the merrier. And just, just keep them coming. Always appreciate it. Uh, Dan, Dan Minnesota got his book out this week. Really cool. Talking about uh, all kinds of depressing things with Minnesota sports and history. Simply Google that. You'll find that on Amazon, of course. Dan Minnesota. Very cool stuff. I'm sure a lot of you have heard about it, but not everybody. Other than that, you could jump on board with an audio submission as well if you superly want to. It would be great to have you. Simply use the voice recording application on any smart device on the planet. Just open it, click record, treat it like a phone call, hit stop, save it, and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com. 
Paladino Live at Yahoo.com. I will then convert it into an MP3 file thanks to Zumzar.com. And then, other than that, you'll be on the show with Fan Interaction. You'd lead things off. Otherwise, if you could write a positive rating on iTunes, Stitcher, and such, it would be unbelievably appreciated, which triggered a memory here. Very important one. I had the paper here because I wanted to print it. It's a big one. I didn't realize you could write reviews on Stitcher, and somebody wrote an unbelievably nice review on Stitcher. I have to read it real quick. It says, Great in-depth analysis. Always love listening to the show. Have been streaming four wild podcasts consistently for two plus years, and this is by far one of my favorites. Nice, happy medium of statistics and general opinions. By no means is Joey a homer. He lets you know where the team's faults are and aren't. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy the podcast updates and awards given to good and bad performing players. Yep, like the James Shepard Memorial. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it always amazes me when someone can host a podcast without guests slash co-hosts and still keep things moving smoothly. The off-the-cup rambles, like, yep, like I tend to do too much probably when I, especially in fan interaction. <laughs> the off-the-cuff rambles add to the show and give it uniqueness. Thank you. That is a big compliment. <laughs> You're not going to get first heard inside scoops. Yep, because I'm not, yeah, I, I, I can't, yeah. But he stays up to date on what journalists like Russo are finding. You're going to hear a lot of recollecting about previous wild players' seasons, which pulls in the old-time season fans. However, the podcast is primarily about what's currently going on with the wild. And yep, I'll jump into North Star's history, too. And I love doing that. I love doing that. He continues saying, I wish there was more listener interaction as far as questions from the fans, but that can be hard to get with even the most well-known sports podcasters. And yep, this is to note, this was actually about six months ago. So, I think it was March? March, maybe? I think it was about March. So it was right before Derek got things rolling with the uh, the questions and such. Just such an awesome idea. It added to the show, and hopefully you like it even more now. Uh, I, didn't know this, uh, I didn't know this existed. I was just goofing around to see what different applications Brave the Wild was on, and all of a sudden I saw this. I'm like, this is a review I've never seen before. Stitcher, so they can do it there, which is so nice. Uh, Joey knows the subject matter, engages listeners, and doesn't give out information overload. Yeah, well, there's some out there that might. Hard to say anything bad about a free wild podcast that keeps me listening every week. Thanks for the great content, and I'll always recommend you to anybody looking for their wild fix. That's about as friendly and kind and <laughs> awesome a review as I've ever seen in my life. Thank you so much. I, I just, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head, and with what I'm trying to establish doing this show for the last many years, especially lately, especially the last four years or so, when I think the show improved significantly. I just can't thank you enough. That is, uh, <laughs> I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. Uh, and hope you're, hope you're still listening and you enjoy the added fan interaction to the show now. With that, wishing all of you a good next couple of weeks. Maybe there'll be another trade, maybe not. Maybe it'll be a little while till the next show. Of course, fall cleanups are going to start up, so that's unfortunate. It is what it is. If you want to hear about the Minnesota Vikings conversation, there's the Purple Mafia podcast that I do, Purple Mafia show. Check that out if you could. Uh, Otherwise, have a good fall. Enjoy yourself. Happy Halloween. Happy Thanksgiving. I don't think it'll be that long till the next show. I think we'll have one before Thanksgiving. In fact, we will always have a show on Thanksgiving regardless. That's a tradition. Thanksgiving morning before all the turkey and all that good stuff. With that said, take care and talk to you soon.